0: Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman and we want to welcome you to our 2023 Interfaith Connection podcast. This is a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Rev. Dave Lyman is my partner in marriage and also my senior minister partner for our Interfaith Explorers organization. We're both so excited to be starting our third year of podcasts on this grand adventure. Our goal this year is to explore and make new friends at faith communities in the greater Sacramento region where interfaith continues to grow. We also wanna encourage your feedback as you participate in interfaith events and field trips, read our newsletter and listen to our monthly podcast. So as we say each year, buckle up and get ready for the exciting year ahead. Good morning. This is Rachel Lyman welcoming you to our Interfaith Connection December 2023 podcast. This is our end of year podcast and our third year of the program. I'm here today with my sweetheart, Interfaith Explorers Senior Minister, Rev. Dave Lyman. Hi, Dave. Hi there.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: So let's start off with the status report. We've now completed 36 podcasts. This is the 36th regarding interfaith exploration in the Sacramento region for our Interfaith Connection podcast program. That's hard to believe. (laughs)
1: Not only that, Rachel, but we have over 600 listeners this year. And we just burst through the 1500 mark of people who have listened to us since we started.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And we're very grateful for those of you who have been listening to us out there. So, traditionally, our December podcast is a summary of what we've accomplished over the past year, along with a few teases for 2024. So, at the end of the year, also, We have a request for you. Of course, we request this throughout the year as well. We're asking for your feedback on the programs we've been bringing to the Sacramento region. This year, statistically, we've had an increase in our podcast listeners, and we're grateful for that, up some 9% from last year, which translates to over 600 listeners so far for 2023. And in addition, uh, we've been named one of the top 15 interfaith podcasts in the United States by a pro a organization called feedspot.com. And they sent us a note in July that we have are now ranked, we were ranked at that time number seven. And since that time, our ranking went up to number five in the marketplace. So we're very pleased with that. So let's uh, review the past year by talking about what 2023 was like for Interfaith Explorers. And as we said, our podcast, we produced 12 podcasts this year and covered a number of faith traditions, uh, interfaith leaders, and interfaith programs. At the beginning of the year, we interviewed several regional interfaith leaders. Uh, Dave, can you uh, summarize some of those interviews for us?
1: I sure can, Rachel. What a great question to ask me. And what you and I talked about ahead of time is we're going to take the 12 months and let the person who did the interviewing talk about the interview. And in that regards, it works out well because there are only two of us doing interviews. And we're both on this podcast. So I'm going to start off with last January. Salam is one of the strongest mosques in the United States and has been led and founded by Metwali Amir. Metwali has been the executive director for over 20 years. And this last January, they brought in a new executive director, a man named Abdul Kwain. Actually, it's Abdul Kari. He's the new executive director, and we got a chance to talk to him. We explored his journey growing up as a Muslim in part of New York and how it prepared him for working in a large Muslim community. We followed that up with a deep exploration in February of an interfaith program at the University of California, Davis. We interviewed Reverend Lauren Jewett, who is in charge of the Christian Active House on campus, which is a campus house for interfaith students to live together. UC Davis has an interfaith campus council program, which oversees a number of student organizations and it represents different faith traditions. Some of the interfaith campus council members and programs include a specialty housing program that I mentioned before, where the students have to apply to live together for a year. They also have a yearly Interfaith Harmony Week, which in 2023 ran from January 30th to February 3rd, and it'll run approximately the same time in 2024. One of their organizations each night promotes a different event, and they finish it off with a big progressive dinner because many of their houses are in the same general area. This Interfaith Campus Council, is one of the most active interfaith groups as a student group in the university in the United States. Then in March, we aired a podcast of a Wednesday night. We were blessed to bring in the uh, scholar and educator Dr. Irfan Hawk from Salam. He's been the educator over there for many, many, many years, and we interviewed him. Because we set up a Wednesday night called The Challenge of Ramadan. We felt it was important not only to understand Ramadan, but to give us all an opportunity to experience Ramadan and how the period of fasting fits into the Islamic religion. That particular night, Dr. Hawk provided some of the dearest and clearest definitions of the programs I've ever heard. At the end of the program, we asked viewers to commit to participate as they were able to in the month of Ramadan so that we could all fast together with our Muslim brothers and sisters, filling out an actual pledge card. You can still view this program at www.slcworld.org slash connect slash Interfaith Explorers page. Click on the link to the video and also on the YouTube. Look for Wow Wednesday at SLC, taking the Ramadan challenge. Please take time to view this because you will never get a better explanation of how Ramadan fits in to the Islam religion and to Muslims. And I was on a roll, so Rachel kind of gave me uh, a free reign the first part of the year, and I turned then to the Center for Spiritual Awareness in West Sacramento, which is a science of mind community. It was founded in 1998 by Georgia Prescott in West Sacramento. And I grew from a small community to one of the big spiritual rocks of the West Sacramento region. When Dr. Prescott retired, we uh, uh, scheduled a podcast interview with a new senior minister, Reverend Rick Harrell. During the podcast, Reverend Rick shared his long winding road, which took many turns to where he is today, putting serving a long period of time as a hospice person. So, Rachel, now I've done a number of them because those are the ones I started with, but I think the next month is yours.
0: That's true, Dave. And uh, when you were rec- were talking to people at UC Davis, Uh, We found out about another program there. It's a youth, a Lutheran program called the Belfry House. And so I contacted the senior minister of this particular program, who's very dynamic. And uh, we, uh, I interviewed her in May, Uh, and her name was Reverend Dr. Portia Hopkins. And she was able to discuss uh, interfaith work uh, with students at UC Davis campus and the programs there. And then in June, um, I w- I'd always been curious about a, a little-known faith tradition called Jain, Jainism. So I decided to research this, and um, and that was a topic for our um, uh, June uh, podcast. And we found out that the, the Jains um, are a very beautiful and yet austere faith. They have very strict rules and what they do. Uh, they do no harm, so they have a, a a very strict way of living. And we also discovered that there is a Jane community, actually in Sacramento, located within the Mather Airfo- Airfield area. And I, I still want to go down to one of their services, and I hope to get there in 2024. And I'm not sure it's appropriate for a field trip, but I'm going to find out if it is. I'll set something up at that time. So what happened in July, Dave?
1: Well, let's go back to June. We do want you to know, those of you who are listening today, that our Jainism podcast, even though we have not yet met actual Jains, is one of our most popular And on a monthly basis, we get three to five different new hits on that podcast. So if you have feedback for us, please contact us. Now, the following month, I grew up as a Catholic altar boy. So I got to tell you, I was pretty involved in beads and bells and candles And those are sacred rituals, and I suddenly realized that they're not just Catholic. They're in the Islamic religion. They're in the Hindu religion. They're in many different religions. And as a matter of fact, there's a great movie called Bell, Book, and Candle with Kim Novak. When we did the podcast, we asked if you knew of this um, podcast, you would probably know that the cat would have to be named Piwacket. Kim Novak plays a witch in the movie, and she has a cat named Piwacket. We were surprised, though, at how widespread the use of these three items in rituals are. We discussed Catholic rosary beads, Muslim beads, candle lighting, the ringing of bells, and how lights reflected. And then we switched right back over for Rachel to... Talk a little bit about how we looked at light earlier.
0: Yes, the year before, actually, at Spiritual Life Center, we had two Wednesday nights and um, when we started with this interfaith connection program. And I decided I had some um, candelabras of various faith traditions. So we did a Wednesday night called Rituals of Light Part 1, and that one uh, explored... um, the uh, Hanukkah, which is a Jewish uh, celebration. And uh, we had uh, a lighting of the Jewish menorah. And also I created a tabletop uh, rangoli, uh, which is used in the Hindu Diwali Celebration of Light Festival. And that has different lights on it too. So that that, that part one covered those two faiths. And then uh, Rituals of Light part two, covered the Christian lighting of an advent wreath, and we explained and lit a canara, which is part of the African-American Kwanzaa celebration. And many of these celebrations last for several days, so it was very fascinating. And you, I really would encourage you, if you haven't seen these, uh, to go ahead and look at these two videos, because there's Not only information about these lightings, but also the way it was filmed with our beautiful uh, technician, two technical people over there at Spiritual Life Center. It was a very sacred experiential experience as well. So you can look at these at, again, www.slcworld.org, connect, go to Interfaith Explorers and click on the links to each of those videos on that page. So uh, what happened in August, Dave?
1: Well, I wanted a little revenge in August because back in 2003, 2002, one of my dearest friends, Reverend Christine Bowden, said to me, I'm going to go and do a seminary and become a minister at a program in New York. I'm looking for people to join me. Now, I didn't realize I was going to join her, but I did end up joining her. So we interviewed Reverend Christine Bouton. She was very active at Spiritual Life Center and from its birth and on the board of directors and eventually became a senior associate minister. We had great fun spending time reviewing points of her quest because she died, actually dove into it in great great depth i'm sorry i rented this tongue and i can't do a thing with it (laughs) and so as we move along she did things like lived in an ashram in india for a number of years spent time in japan and actually in her beginning days was a river raft guide on the wild rivers of the west so she has spent many, many, many years as a spiritual seeker, and it was a great, great interview, getting a chance to follow her and her her winding quest to become a spiritual leader.
0: That's true, and I, the next podcast came about kind of accidentally in September. I wanted to reconnect with a former coworker that I hadn't seen in 20 years, and her name is Leon Thorne, and she lives in Rio Linda, California, so I went out to have lunch with her, and she wanted to show me her church, and her church building is still standing, and it's a 100 years old, the church itself, and they have an- another building they built across the sidewalk, which they use now for services and so forth, but To find a a church that's still alive and well 100 years later, I thought that was fascinating. So I ended up going out to one of the services and asked her if she wouldn't mind being a a guest on, on one of our podcasts. So she came as a guest, and we had her tell a little bit about her life story, and that as a baby, her parents brought her to Calvary Lutheran Church in Rio Linda. And she has been there ever since. She's now 89 years old. For the past 70 years of her life, she's been the church organist and pianist there and the choir director. So I just thought the whole story was fascinating. So we talked about her life and also some of the history of the the Calvary Lutheran Church, which was quite fascinating. So that was the most delightful uh, podcast for me to do and I have to say that when we first put that out there it was first aired we immediately had responses I think she told her whole church about it and I did send information to her minister about it as well so so far we have what not not almost 90 people that have listened to that
1: people that, have listened to that continues to grow every day too
0: that's true So I was very pleased with that, and Leon was too. And to be able to bring her church into the limelight, I thought, was very special.
1: And if you stop to think about it, of how unusual that was, here is a woman born to parents attending a church. Her parents take her to get her baptized at that church. She continues to be active growing up in the youth programs at that church. When she's 19, she becomes the choir director and the musical, um, the musician for the services. And now it's 70 years later. So this is a person who has said, "I am blooming where I am planted. I am going to take full advantage of this spiritual experience."
0: That's true. And she's not only been in the music part of the church, but she's done everything there. Uh, She's participated in all all of the activities. And her husband, too, he passed several years ago, but they were both very, very active in the youth programs. And you name it, they've done it. So I I thought that was
1: sweet. If you attend church for 70 years, sure as anything, you're going to get every job in church.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) They're very much givers, that's for sure.
1: Well, and so then we moved from the tradition of a a Lutheran church, was it? Lutheran, yes. We decided, well, what should we do now? And I've always wanted to talk about the mystics, you know, because religion always has mystics, and some of them are very clear-cut. The whirling dervishes are very clear-cut mystics. They whirl to bliss. The um, the Kabbalah and the Jewish people that are participating in that, that's very clear mystical. So our October podcast reflected a great deal of research into the mystic of faith traditions. We talked about the whirling dervishes and their approach to bliss in the Muslim faith. I can always remember as we sat at the Interfaith Parliament of World Religions in this huge Mormon tabernacle choir rehearsal hall, we watched as the back of the hall was filled with the Mormon tabernacle choir and in the front of the hall, the stage was filled with Fifteen whirling dervishes. (laughs) And Rachel and I looked at each other and just said, this is not ever going to be recreated. This, (laughs) This is pretty amazing. And we wondered what some of the people in that choir thought watching the whirling dervishes because a whirling dervish is a very highly formal ritual that is done in a certain way. And it's very much that way you, when you watch it. So we spent the whole month talking about the mystics and the different things, and it was great fun. But it led us into an interesting direction with Rachel.
0: Yes, and, and for me, I we let spirit guide us in, in what we're gonna do with the podcast. And the uh, golden rule poster is one that I've seen for many years here and there. In fact, Spiritual Life Center, our home church, has a has that very poster in the entryway to their offices. And the poster looks like this. It's a poster with a world uh, image in the middle. And all around it are 13 different faith traditions with a, a one or two lines of their version of the Golden Rule. And I grew up a Christian, so do unto others as you would have them do unto you was what I learned. But there are many, many other versions of that. So I wanted to research that. And also we wanted to honor the different faith traditions. So Dave and I took turns uh, giving the um, uh, information from that poster uh, about the, from the different faith traditions. So, um, but what I found in my research I mean it was amazing because it didn't start with Christianity it goes way back to the Egyptian times uh in history and so treating people with love and kindness and goodness has been around forever which is good was good to hear and so we on the podcast we were able to um look at that um history and in ancient China as well. And uh, had we had some, I found a couple of historical stories about people who live their life uh, with the golden rule. And then Dave took us into some modern day uh, versions of living the golden rule, like paying it forward or when there's been a national, a disaster of some sort, all the walls of separation come down between people and they step up to help one another. And that's definitely the golden rule in action. And then Dave found uh, reminded me that in 1961, Norman Norman, Norman Rockwell, excuse me, the painter, uh, painted an image and he called it the golden rule. And on that image uh, are people from all faith traditions and all cultures. So that was perfect for our our blurb that we sent off to advertise that. So I was really happy about that. So now we're at December. This is our typical year in summary uh podcast, and it's just it's it's actually thrilling and wonderful to remember all that w- was able we were able to uh uh do this year. And work through spirit and have have happen, and send that information and uh, out to you, our listeners. So, um, Dave, also there's a, a special year because of the Parliament of World Religions conference occurred in Chicago. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, uh, it was, again, the Parliament of World Religions really started everything back in 1893 when Swami Vivekananda came and stood up in front of all those people and said, brothers and sisters, and people wept. Seriously, people wept. And there was a standing ovation because it was clear to them that there were other religions other than the traditional that believed in fairness and equality. And from that, the Myrtle and Charles Fillmore husband wife took a number of beliefs and helped them put together the commitment for unity. So we have a deep history here. And the parliament has continued it. It took a hundred years off, came back in 1993 and has been coming uh, on semi-annual or annual meetings since then. Chicago was its birthplace, so this year it went back to Chicago. And in the last three or four, we've always had people from the Spiritual Life Center. A small group of people from Sacramento region attended the event. And the thing about the event is it's some 580 programs presented by over 200 faith traditions of workshops and classes and concerts and rituals over a four-day period. There is no earthly way you can attend all the workshops. Everything is a conflict. If you don't go to one thing, you would go to another. And so it truly gives you the opportunity to step back and go, what is my spiritual choice here? Was it I want to see? So, Rachel, talk a little bit about your field trips this year.
0: Yeah, I just want to segue back to the Parliament. We weren't able to travel this year, but we did travel in 2015 when the Parliament of World Religions occurred in Salt Lake City. And that had been on my bucket list, and I'm so glad we got to do that then. So we're very pleased with that.
1: My favorite part of that was that Rachel, we we were in Salt Lake City, and in Salt Lake City, when the blocks are very long, in the middle of the blocks, they will have a stoplight where you actually take a flag out of a little holder and carry the flag across so everybody sees you. And Rachel got so excited about that, she wanted to take a flag home with her. She kept hoping that I'd get her a flag, but of course we're very moral and ethical so we left the flags where they were
0: yeah darn it <laughs> So let's look take a look at field trips uh they were uh, we didn't do a lot this year uh, because the world has changed a lot and there's a lot a lot going on uh very challenging uh, atmosphere uh more hate crimes going on anti semitism is up. Uh, now we've got world we've got some wars going on so a lot of the faith traditions that we like to go visit were very uh uh security oriented this year more than ever and for their own safety and for the safety of anybody that goes to see them so we're very blessed anyway and I talk about my bucket list again I have to bring that up it's kind of nice being in charge of your own interfaith exploration because you can do what you want. <laughs> no one is telling us we have to do this or that. So,
1: uh, as her senior minister, I want you to notice that she used the word us. <laughs> but really, it go back to the previous sense where she said, nobody can tell me I get to go wherever I want.
0: That's true. So another thing on my bucket list was this. Uh, we've been to Mosaic Law Jewish Congregation on Sierra Boulevard many times, and um, I I knew that they had developed a Holocaust Museum and Library there, and I've been wanting to go. I wanted to go, so I called over there, and we did make arrangements in February of 2023. That's year this year, and 13 people joined us, and we went over, and we had Liz Igra. Uh, the founder and educator there, an actual Holocaust survivor. And she told us her story about how she and her mother escaped the Nazis uh, walking uh, through Poland, getting into Poland. So um, that was fascinating. Um, Then um, we went back to our Salaam friends and we love Salaam and they're so open. Uh, even in these difficult times, uh, we're we're such good friends that they they uh, allow So Oh, I do want to go back. I want to backtrack one moment. That uh, no, not yet. Okay. So um, I'll save my comments.
1: Sometimes my wife will have conversations with
0: herself. <laughs> I'm backtracking my comments here. So we decided to do another tour at Salam with Sacramento Area League of Associated Muslims on College Oak Drive and um, across from American River College. And um, so we had some people that had never been there before, even from our own uh, church, and they were delighted to go. And uh, we had a beautiful um, uh, Dr. Irfan Hawk who helped Dave do the uh, Ramadan challenge. His brother, Dr. Asaf Hawk, is now the education director there. And so he's the one that gave us a beautiful tour uh, of the mosque and information about uh, Islam. Uh, it was it was a wonderful day. Uh, then I have to this is one of my comments coming in. We went back to mosaic law again, and what what happened there was we Dave and I were at a an event it's at, at Salam actually a community event, and we met the new. Rabbi at Mosaic Law. Rabbi Ben Herman. And uh, Rabbi Taff had given us a tour many years ago, but he's retired now. So uh, Rabbi uh, Ben Herman is a new rabbi. and he actually contacted us and invited us to bring a group to visit Mosaic Law. And I thought that was totally amazing and wonderful. I think I died and went to heaven when that happened. So we went over and we were given a beautiful tour. There's a KOH library there, which houses many Jewish volumes and where they also give lectures, year-long lectures. Uh, We also revisited the Holocaust Museum again with Zigra. And then the rabbi took us into the synagogue, which is a beautiful synagogue. And he gave us a short talk there and took out the sacred scrolls and talked about the sacred scrolls. So it was just an amazing day. Um, Another thing that I like to do in Interfaith uh, Connection is to promote uh, community interfaith events. This isn't something we've done, but we can take a group, encourage people as a group to go to an event and experience it. So this year we uh, encouraged people to attend the Elk Grove Multicultural Fair. And we did have some people from Spiritual Life Center do that. Um, I wasn't able to go that day, but we did have some people go and and we got enough photographs and we put a report together for our newsletter. Um, Another thing we did was we went to, four of us from SLC attended the Brahma Kumaras, Diwali Festival of Light Celebration. And uh, we also, I also did a story about that and posted some uh, photographs. And what happens with the photographs that are posted with a story in our newsletter is that those photographs also end up on Spiritual Life Center's Facebook page. So uh, that's pretty neat. So you can see some of those photographs there from our different trips. Um, while we were at Brahma Brahmakamars Diwali festival, we ran into the founders co-founders of the international excuse me world peace rose gardens Uh, and um, so we're we promoted them also in our uh, november newsletter information about them and some links to their website and then uh, dave reminded me of a program called light the world giving program machines it's a national program And these giving machines are placed in different locations. And there was one in the gallery mall in Roseville. So you could go to the machine and look to see what what is needed for different organizations and give donations that way. So that's interfaith organizations as well. So another thing I want to let people know and I've probably written a little bit about this in our newsletters is that Dave and I, when I asked him to do a podcast on Interfaith in America, we ran we found many, many uh, wonderful interfaith uh, programs throughout the United States. So Dave and I became members, Interfaith Explorer members of various organizations. And they are San Francisco, Seattle, Arizona. Uh, Oxford, Ohio, St. Louis, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, and New York interfaith uh, movement organizations. And I'm what I'm gonna do in our December newsletter is I'm gonna post the links to their websites. So you can find out, it's fascinating to find out what um, organiza- interfaith organizations are doing in the nation itself. And they mirror a lot of things we're doing here in Sacramento to promote uh, building bridges also. So, and I just want to say too, before I hand it over to Dave, is that uh, any pertinent information that we give during a podcast is all put in our newsletters so that you can, uh, and if you ever have any questions about something, you can uh, contact me and my personal email, Rachel Lyman. It's Rachel. R A C H E L 24 at surewest.net. So, uh, if you have any questions about anything we talk about, Rachel, so, Taylor, did, you had something you wanted to say.
1: Well, I wanted to see if you had anything more you wanted to add about Dewali and the experience of uh, uh, that night um, and some of the leaders that you met and the fact that they're selling their facility.
0: That's true. Uh, we were there. Um, before the program started and in walked rabbi ben herman from mosaic law down the street <clears throat> excuse me uh yes the brahma komaras had a for sale sign on their uh house which houses their community and um they're they're going to be moving i'm not sure when in the next few months maybe um and uh, to a larger facility nearby pardon nearby Nearby in Sacramento, and so uh, we'll get all the scoop on that. And <clears throat> excuse me, when they start uh, having events again there, we'll promote some of those as well. And uh, yes, and then uh, <clears throat> excuse me, what I found interesting is the Brahm- Brahma Kamaras, uh They're a small group, but boy, are they mighty! Are they the events they have, they have people from all over the world come to Sacramento. For events. And, and that night at Diwali, they had four or five or six different sisters, Brahma Kumara sisters from the Bay Area. They had a, a, a Brahma Kumara's brother from New York. They had a brother from San Francisco as well who acted as an MC and a lady from uh, an interfaith woman from um, Stockton as well. So they, they tra- attract a large number of. Uh, people from various faith traditions and from their own faith from all, all locations.
1: So I wanna, I wanna do a little bit of a summary. Um, back in 2003, I started my interfaith program uh, with the oldest seminary in the United States. And as we went through the program, I started to date this woman who had come to Spiritual Life Center and taken every class available. If there was a class, she took it. And I started to realize that this was a woman that maybe was more into faith than I was. I'm reminded back to the days of Michael Moran taking faith out on a date, and then going sitting by the river, and him saying to her, what is it you've always wanted to do? And she said, I want to open a church everybody can attend. A church where any faith tradition is welcome. And Michael looked at her and he melted into a little puddle and said, that's exactly what I want. Well, it's the same kind of thing with the two of us. And so we got together and started working together. And back in the early days, She jumped into the interfaith program and has never left it. She uses what I call the Huck Finn, whitewash the fence approach. She'll do a faith event and she'll do something and everybody will go, oh, I want to do that with her. And so the groups are formed. I have a certification saying I'm an interfaith minister, but I'm not the true interfaith minister at our house. And so I always want to remind people, this is what she came up with for a mission statement back in 2007, 2008. Interfaith Explorers Mission Statement. The Interfaith Explorers built bridges by providing interfaith education and events of different faith traditions in the greater Sacramento region. She has taken 25 people to the Indian Museum, 30 people to a Greek Orthodox Church, and over 600 to a Sikh Gurdwara. She is active in this community, and I'm just proud as punch to be her volunteer minister, though I do get terrified when my evaluation has come up each year. So I turn it over to Rachel to close our December 2023
0: podcast. Well, thank you for that sweet statement. I'm not sure who you were talking about, but thank you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is true. I, I I love learning. I love people. I love, um, I've been a lifetime edu- education type person. So um, it's been a joy and a passion for me all this time. And I just wanna say that despite the difficulties and the challenges this year, um, we know that what we're doing is important because uh, we're doing the podcasts and newsletters and they're being read and listened to by people. And it somehow there'll be differences made in hearts where the most of you are we're preaching to the choir because you're already on board with what we're doing. but then you pass that on to someone who isn't aware, isn't educated in in um, just the basics of kindness and compassion. So we're grateful for that. And so we we will continue to do what we can in 2024 to offer and promote interfaith education and experiences for you that make a difference for you and also promote your safety as well. Um, and we want to wish, um, and, and like I said, please give us give, give us your feedback. If you have any suggestions, uh, comments, we'd love to hear them. Send them to me personally at rachel24 at surewest.net. We'd love to hear from you. So we send you blessings for a happy holiday season.
1: A peaceful.
0: Peaceful, happy and holiday, safe holiday season, and a happy and joyous and peaceful new year. Namaste. Thank you for joining us today to explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. This 2023 podcast will be aired the fourth Thursday of the month on Spiritual Life Center's website, slcworld.org, under Interfaith Connection Podcasts. You can also listen to our previous 24-plus podcasts at this same location. And we wanna hear from you. So send us your comments, questions, or suggestions to me. That's Rachel Lyman at rachel24 at surewest.net. That's r-a-c-h-e-l-2-4 at s-u-r-e-w-e-s-t.net. And let us remember as we go along our different paths that Gandhi once said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty. Namaste.